We share life stories of various individuals to inspire and educate. You're listening to Anecdotes, a podcast hosted by two millennials, Timothy and Vance. Thank you for joining us on this learning journey. Let's discover our why together. Welcome to episode 7 of Anecdotes. This is a show where we share inspiring stories and learn how to become better each day, one anecdote at a time. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Timothy. Hello. And myself, Vance. So for this week, Timothy will start sharing his article first. Okay. Okay. So first off, before I begin, I'd like to point out that um, this article is something that um, is pretty complicated for me to even explain, but I'll try my best. So the article title is Why Being Right is So Addictive. So basically, the whole article, the whole premise of this article is actually talking about in the past, we need to be right during the caveman era where any wrong move would actually determine our survival. Let's say, for example, you come face to face with a bear or a saber-toothed tiger. Any wrong move, whether you run or you fight, can actually determine whether you live or die. And that's where making the right decision actually rewards you with survival and probably food as well. And this gives you safety and all that other stuff that comes with Safety for your family, safety for yourself, survival because you have food to eat. Okay, so in today's context, where actually being right all the time is not exactly that good because there are certain drawbacks when you are being right all the time. So let me delve a bit deeper into why being right in today's context is good to a certain extent. Okay, let's say you take part in a competition. For me, when I take part in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition, being right would mean that I will win because I had the better game plan, I had the better cardio, I had the better technique. And being right could actually determine whether you come in first or you come in second. And after all, that's the whole point of competition, right? Is to see who can be right and who can succeed with the better technique and game plan. So that's the long view according to the article. The subjective view. Being right it gives us this sense of power because it just means I win and you lose. And we sort of, we're able to look down on others when we are being right because it means that I got the upper hand and you don't. So this kind of creates a dopamine surge. Makes us feel, it rewards us with this dopamine surge that We look forward to it. We want more of this feeling. So that's why being right is so addictive. And being addicted to these kinds of feelings actually causes more harm than good in the long run. Especially when it comes to relationships with either your significant other 
all your friends. So, the ultimate expression of being right is what we call self-righteousness. So, and sometimes don't you feel that when someone is advocating this, like, no, 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 you have to do this, you have to do that. Don't we feel a bit frustrated when we come across certain individuals like that? And that is why it's so unpleasant when you're faced with someone like that. And which is why we hate grammar Nazis, because they're always correcting us on our language. So that is why we hate grammar Nazis. And sometimes I'm guilty of being one of them when I correct my parents' English. But sometimes you get just can't help it. And the power that a self-righteous person feels is actually temporary. It is a defense against feeling unworthy and powerless. So self-rightness is a flailing attempt to compensate for feelings of self-wrongness. Um, at first glance, I had trouble comprehending what this means. It sounds very, very... Poetic. Poetic <laughs> and, you know, in our lingo is chim. So it took me a while, but until I start to relate to it to based on my own experience. So this will be something really personal. So in the past when people ask me why is it that I'm single and I don't have a girlfriend, I would give all sorts of excuses by saying that oh the right one hasn't found me or you know I'm busy with this and that, I do not have time or I'm not interested in looking for someone at the moment. Basically, for all those single people out there, you'll know what I'm talking about because these kind of excuses pops up into your head unknowingly. So I realized that it was my refusal to acknowledge the problems that I had with myself. It wasn't because I didn't have time. It wasn't because the right girl hasn't found me. It was because I didn't want to acknowledge that I was shy among girls. Not only was I shy among girls, I was actually unable to keep a conversation interesting with a girl. I'm able to communicate with guys. I mean, I, I think most guys would, wouldn't find trouble with that. But let's say if I were to meet a new girl, someone that I've just met, I'll feel somewhat nervous because firstly, I do not know that person. I do not know what she likes to talk about and if I say something wrong, something bad will happen and all that kind of stuff. So I realized that it was my refusal to acknowledge that I had these problems and these are what I had to work on. But luckily, I realized that those are my problems and I'm working on it. That is why now I'm making a conscious effort to try to engage with girls, you know, on certain topics apart from stuff like superficial stuff on small talk. I, I'm not sure, but I'm sure I'll get better at it. So single and ready to mingle. <laughs> I guess you can say that. 
So where was I? Oh yes. So if being so when you relate this being right thing and how is it addictive? Uh, when you relate it to your f- relationship with with friends and with your significant other, and if being right all the time is to cover up inadequacy, then it is just to save face. And because when you when you are right, when you win an argument, the it means you have power, and the other pers- the other party who loses kind of looks up to you because you've got something right and then you know it just means that you're more knowledgeable and if you're right all the time ask yourself how would that make the other party feel how does it feel to be corrected how does it feel to tell be told that you are wrong it actually makes you bitter it makes you kind of put down because whenever you look at your friends who have actually figured out what they wanted to do you have friends who have a good career friends who have many girlfriends or stuff naturally you feel this sense of inadequacy towards them you feel pretty small and that isn't a pleasant feeling at all so when you are right all the time and being right is to cover up inadequacy, then you're just saving face. And in the end, you just want to feel like you matter. And when you argue about who is being right all the time, it makes both parties miserable. So there are certain instances where you are addicted to being right. And it's hard to tell when you don't look at it from a third person view. Because sometimes we are too full of ourselves. And instances where we are insistent about an opinion and we are defending about what we said and we use logic to back up our argument and we have this tension, this drive to just prove and assert something that is instances where we are actually addicted to being right and all that being said of course being right has its place when there are potentially serious consequences of course this where being right at your job is important because any wrong move could cause a company to lose money or even worse the wrong move could get you fired but it's best to have choice about when to pursue rightness especially when we are talking about relationships with our friends our family and our significant other and yeah that's it okay can we can we go back a bit to the point where we talk about uh, during the caveman era when being right means sure. survival, right? Mm. So, I guess in the tribe also as well, last time, in whenever cavemen, because you know cavemen have tribes and everything. Yes. yeah. So, whenever one single caveman, also called the leader, is right, he's often, you know, given, given a lot of... Reward. He's rewards. often rewarded, maybe. He's often rewarded with many wives. Many wives, I don't know. The uh, biggest chunk of the meat. 
Yeah, and maybe maybe a chieftain head or something, right? Uh, yeah. So so it, so it's often being right is often associated with power and being able prestige su- survival also prestige and everything. Yes. So. <coughs> so the kind of thinking, kind of mindset, carrying carry carry on with us all the way until now. Mm. Where we where we constantly is it, we are hardwired to think that being right actually means that your life is ensured to be survival. Intact. Yeah, it, it kind of means being right equates to surviving. Yeah, but I guess we need to understand the the kind of difference between being right in a life and death situation and being right in everyday lives. So, mm. like what you mentioned, right? Being right in a job and being right in relationships are totally different things. So not this is not to say that you must make sure that you're right every time when you, when you're at a job. Of course, when you're wrong, you just learn from your mistakes and everything. But being right in your job and being right in a relationship has have very different kind of uh, repercussions. So being right in your job, it just means that you are a more competent person. But then if you constantly try to brag to your colleagues that how right you are. Like uh, the number of right decisions you make, you know the number of deals you get. This way is actually better to pitch to a client. This way is actually better to tell to tell something to your boss and everything. Generally, you won't like these kind of people because they are bigot. They're they, just they're, boasting. They're 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 so full of themselves. Yes. Okay, so that's the the work part, and a bit of relationship part. So in your relationship, when you have when you're attached, let's say your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Whenever you're right, okay, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, okay, let's just use significant other. Your significant other <laughs> will feel smaller than you because you're right. Yeah. And I guess sometimes it is okay or it is kind of healthy to determine who is right and who is wrong because maybe it has... I mean, an instance would be, let's say, when you're traveling. Obviously, uh-huh. you know that the better plan would be to take the MRT instead of the taxi because of the traffic jam and then you guys are arguing but you know for sure that there is a traffic jam and then that's where being right would help I guess it helps but <coughs> it doesn't help if you keep harping on the fact that taking the MRT mm. is better than yeah. the taxi and I'm right and you're wrong because being right whenever you have right and wrong it kind of you kind there's of there's a power play. Yeah, there's a power play there. So you, 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 you want to show them that you are more knowledgeable, more powerful, and everything, which mm. will actually backfire. You also mentioned that even though one party is right and one party is wrong, it often ends up in a lose lose situation because both parties end up being miserable. Mm. When one party is miserable, let's say the husband is miserable. His mood will affect the wife's mood also. So both of them will, will, will end up being miserable even though the wife is right and the husband is wrong. Mm. And going back to the part where you talked about your relationship, how you viewed relationships, how you viewed your ability to get, to, to get together with a girl. Mm. So the self-righteous part is when people ask you, why why don't you have a girlfriend and you say that because I have more important things to do because I'm busy with other stuff because mm. 
I haven't found the right one yet. So that's the self-righteous part of you un- yeah. answering, right? That's right. The that's self-wrongness part is actually inside you where you tr- you know very well that it's because you don't really have a very strong ability to maintain interesting conversations with girls. Oh, yeah. I was just shy with girls. So that's that's the self-righteous making up for the self-wrongness part, right? Where you mentioned, yeah. you know, you, you know, you mentioned self-righteousness is just a way of covering up or compensating for the self-wrongness in you. Yeah. Right? So it's just a secondary shell that you use to defend yourself mm. from whatever judgment. judgment, yeah. 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 Okay, that part is quite difficult to comprehend. Yeah, I do not know how to explain it, but... Somehow it's just live living in self denial. Yeah. If the the only way that I can put it is is that, and a lot of us because we are afraid of being judged, and our egos at play, we do not want to let our insecurities be known, because when we let our insecurities be known, people might think of you in a certain way, and we do not like that, at all. Yeah, and and that is actually the the crux of people with no self esteem, low self esteem. Yeah, low self esteem or like lack of self confidence. So self self righteousness. Oh, okay. This 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 uh sentence where he says. Self-righteousness is a compensation for self-wrongness. Mm. It's kind of related to the previous episode where I talked about narcissism. Even though it's... The, the meaning of narcissism is to... Excessive. Excessive love of oneself, right? Yes. But it's actually a cover-up of how much self-worth you have for yourself. The, the, the low level of self-worth that you have. It's to cover up your... How insecure yeah. about you are about yourself. So I guess... By using that, I think it's a bit more. Really is it? It's a bit easier, easier to, to understand, understand, right? Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Is that a secondary kind of defense mechanism you use to defend your more vulnerable self that you don't wish to show other people? Yes. Right. Yes. That's why you. That's why you constantly want to be right. Because mm. whenever you're right, you look powerful to other people. Yeah. And you have. We all want to be smart in class, right? Let's go back to like yeah. primary school days. Who who feels like shit when you... I mean... You feel like shit when you answer the question wrongly, right? Or when the teacher asks you and you're unable to answer. So it stems from that. And we feel great when the teacher praises us if we get the right answer. Yes, it's, it's the ego at play. Yeah. But as Ryan Holiday would say, ego <laughs> is the enemy. If you want to learn, you have to put on your ego. Yeah. So while... Being right all the time in the relationship is not exactly a good thing. I wouldn't exactly agree to a, to a huge extent that being right, someone being right in the relationship is actually bad for the relationship. Because if if they if let's say two couple a, a couple okay so A and B, A is constantly right or most of the time he's right, he or she is right. And B, because of that, B feels inferior. Mm. But instead of B trying, to, instead of B feeling inferior, B should actually feel like they, he or she should step up the game yeah. to become a better person. Yeah. 
because that's how you grow as a person and if you don't grow as a person then it's not going to help you it's not going to help your partner your partner might eventually drift away so instead of of course the other person A cannot be always right and always pointing out the mistakes of B but B should also do his or her part to improve themselves so that he or she wouldn't constantly feel inferior yeah and to add on to that what comes next when all this sense of inferior and insecurities come is where you start to depression it leads to depression that's one but before that you start to doubt your partner you feel that he's too good for you or she is too good for you and you feel insecure whenever he goes out with his friends you're afraid that someone else might snatch him away and that's where it leads to a recipe and, and that's where it's a recipe for disaster mm. right yeah. it's all these problems all these doubting all these insecurities comes in that eventually leads to something probably not similar th- that will happen but still the end of the relationship because yeah. insecurity is just going to fuel all that doubt fuel all that hate and all that fighting and satisfaction yeah mm. yeah so any takeaway I mean <laughs> I was trying hard to even explain this article Think and I'm still away. getting a grasp on this whole article the but central idea is still we all want to be right all the time because it gives us rewards. Mm. In the past, the reward was survival. Right now, yeah. the reward is dopamine search. Right? Yes. And but dopamine is... Some addictive. Something... Oh, it's, what's a, the, it's a chemical. It's a chemical that our brain produces to reward us, right? Yeah, whenever you have... It, it's, it's kind of like a feedback kind of reward. So whenever you... Whenever you see a like no- notification, dopamine kicks in. Whenever you see someone reply your message, dopamine kicks in. Whenever so you see 20 what notifications what on Facebook. What about we eat ice cream? I don't know. Does, yeah, it, ice cream. does it create dopamine? It's when you, when, you, when you do an action, when anyone does an action and feedback comes back, that's when dopamine kicks in. A good feedback, of course. When you do an action and it leads to a desirable outcome. Yeah, so by so making a good decision that is a that is an action. And most of the time whenever you make a good decision, you're you are right. rewarded by, by something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh thumbs up, ting tong or acknowledge acknowledgement or anything. Yeah. So that is the dopamine kicking in. Okay. It's a chemical. Yeah. I hope I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it is. We'll, we'll correct it if it's wrong, but most probably it's not wrong because it's, it, just understand that dopamine is a reward hormone that your body produces whenever you get something right. You get something right or whenever you do an action. So dopamine kicks in the most whenever you are engaging your phone, whenever you get notifications, whenever you get likes, whenever you receive shares on Facebook, mm. whenever someone replies your message, that's when you get dopamine. So don't be too addicted to this dopamine feeling. Because it might lead to undesirable outcomes to your relationships with either your friends or your family or your... Significant other. Yes. Because we have 
this drawback humans we can't differentiate between long term pleasures and short term pleasures. So being right is usually a short term pleasure. Hmm. Because even in the past, I guess being right once is just a short term survival. It doesn't mean that you get you get one one decision right. It's, it doesn't mean that you're gonna get all the decisions in the future right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean survival as well. So it's usually short term, right? Yes. Mm. So okay. if we wanna play the long term game, we need to balance out our rights and our wrongs. And of course the instances to even identify when you are in that kind of state. When you are addicted to being right. It's when you are trying so hard to be to prove your point with coming out effects and figures and insistent on a certain idea that you have or you wanna enforce your opinion onto your other party. That's where you're really addicted to being right. And of course a whole other list of um situations can be found in the article which will be available in the show notes. I think my take my my takeaway is um you don't have to be right most of the time. And especially in relationships, there shouldn't exactly be a right or wrong argument whenever you have whenever there's a dispute. I think what's most important is that both uh, both parties can agree on and I believe that is also written in the article. A consensus, reaching a consensus. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether your idea is better or my idea is better. As long as we can come to an agreement. Like for example, my, me and my girlfriend, if let's say we can, my girlfriend and I can come to an agreement to maybe what's the best way to travel to a certain, from point A to point B. It doesn't matter whether her way is better or my way is better. If we agree that to go with her way and her way is slower, it doesn't matter because both of us agree already. And you should just stick to it, accept it that well, no point hopping on the other alternative. Yes, and decisions. Well, you you wouldn't know whether it's good or bad until you make one. So mm, yes, being right all the time doesn't. It it doesn't. I I guess you you can also think back about how your life will always be filled with ups and downs, Doubts. with success and mm. failures. So you can't have you can't have success all the time. You have to fail. So there's no blueprint. To getting everything right yeah. on our first try, we have to try and see if it works. It's the only way we can know. Yeah, and most importantly in a relationship, agreement is much much more important than right or wrong. Right or wrong. That's I guess my biggest takeaway from the article. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, that's it. On to the next article. Okay. So. This time, my article this week is by Jeff Goins and it's posted on the mission. It's a publication on Medium. And the title goes, When your calling seems vague and unclear, you're on the right track. So it's about dreams, it's about your why in life, whatever you do in life that determines the person you are and everything. So the central idea, I came up with this, no one ever knows what he or she wants to do in life. They find out along the way, but only if they actually put in the work to figure it out through trial and error. So this is my central idea that I, that I can take away from his article. 
And there are a few quotes that I would mention and break down individually. So the first one, we all want to do work that matters. But the truth is, the journey to get there can be confusing. So let's say, for example, I want to start a business to sell clothes. I want to start a blog shop or e-commerce shop right now, an online e-commerce platform. Because maybe it can improve people's lives, it can make people, it can allow clothes to be purchased at a more convenient manner. But getting there can be very, very confusing. And who knows, maybe right now I want to sell clothes, next time I want to sell hair gel or I want to sell shoes or I want to even expand it even bigger to all kinds of apparel. But the journey to get there is very, very confusing. And it's going to be very unclear. It's going to be very vague. It's going to be filled with uncertainties. But we must put in the work that we will know. And if something seems so clear to you, even before you start it, it just means that you're not dreaming big enough. That's one. Or you're just copying someone, whatever someone is doing. And usually that you don't end well. Mm. Copyright issues or... It doesn't lead it to doesn't work immense success. Yeah. It might be a one-time-off success or it might, it might even fall flat. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So the next quote, a calling is the accum- accumulation of a person's life experiences, skills and passions all put to work. So even though most people will say they're calling, some people they wake up one morning and suddenly, suddenly they feel, oh, I found my calling in life. And that is to maybe open an orphanage or something. And does that really happen? But that doesn't happen because, like he said, it's accumulation of persons, life's experiences, mm. skills and passions all put to work together. So what he means is, you won't have a calling if you haven't experienced enough of life. Like what will you know about life if you haven't even experienced it? So saying that a person wake up, wakes up you know, one morning when he or she is six years old and suddenly have a calling say, and suddenly says that he or she has found the calling in his life, that doesn't make sense at all because a six-year-old wouldn't have that much bandwidth or that much time on earth to experience much of life. Of course, there might be some exceptions, but most people wouldn't have that privilege or opportunity to experience so much and skills and passions because skills is built over time passion is something that you are very interested in that you would probably dream of it day and night that's a passion but skill is something where you turn passion something that you're very interested in into something that you actually can put to use so an example would be you're very interested in music but yeah you haven't even touched the piano, or you don't even know how to read notes at all, but you just say that you like to listen to music. Does that really mean that you're passionate in music? It doesn't mean nope. it doesn't make sense because you're only passionate in music when you actually you just enjoy listening to music. Yeah, you just enjoy. You don't have a passion in music to create music. Yeah, because when you are say when someone says that you're passionate in music, it the 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 only way a person can be passionate in music is he or she is willing to putting a lot of work composing music like Mozart, like Beethoven. And the calling, any, anyone's calling can only be discovered through action. Action, life experiences, skills, and passion all put together. Okay? I really love this a lot. Okay, the next quote, 
But I find so many of us who want to name it without taking any action. I prefer the reversed. Act, then define what you're doing. So it's quite similar to the previous one. A lot of people, because some people say that, oh, I suddenly wake up one morning and found my calling. But I've always been skeptical of those people. Although I admit that I was a bit envious, but now that I've read more, I realize that what Jeff Goins said is actually quite true. And other thought leaders in this space, in the self-improvement space. So a lot of us, because we are sold this idea that we can just pursue our dreams or we can have a dream and just pursue it and it will happen. It will come true. But he's saying that, no, that's not true. Stop believing in that lie. You need to understand that you can only discover your dream when you actually take action. Then you know that that's something that you can make it come true. It's something that you can actually imagine yourself doing it or at least have a taste of it before. Because you can only dream of something that you actually experienced before, seen someone experience it, seen someone do it before. If not, you wouldn't be able to say that, oh, I have a dream. Right? Mm. Unless, well, you're a very creative person. But most of the time, whenever we have, whenever we have a dream, like I want to be a singer, I want to be a writer, I want to be a reporter, I want to be a businessman. It's usually something that people have done before. Have you seen, you experienced it, someone done it before, and you... You, you, you kind of think that it's something that you might want to do that's when you have a dream but you can only know it when you actually do it it can only become your passion when you actually try yes. if not it will always be a dream right yep mm. so the next quote what's far less popular is the discipline practice of a craft Spending thousands of thankless hours getting great at something before sharing it with the world. So this is, sorry, this is actually pretty much how most people act. It sums up the lives of billions of people on earth. So they always, they always think that they want to get great at something in the world. I want to be a great singer. I want to be a great writer. I want to be a great businessman, but they never even tried anything relating to that dream or that passion or that goal that they have in, the w- in their lives. Because it's commonly, the success of people are commonly, are most commonly and most widely celebrated, but not the journey. So people are sold this false idea, this falsehood that dreams just come out as they are. But dreams, it's because... Yeah, dreams are always the results, right? Yeah. I mean, dreams coming true is always the result of the number of discipline, practice of craft, the thousands of tangless hours that no one know. Yeah. So all the experts, whatever you see in media is just a success. Everything that you see is just a, it are just the successes, the success stories. But if you actually really read deep enough, read extensive enough you'll find out that there are actually a lot of hardships that they actually go through all the trials and tribulations that they face are not so well documented as compared to all of the fame and all that fortune actually I would say that it's well documented just that people don't really pay attention to it Mm. because you know there are so many books about who 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 this so and so success so and so success but people recognize it 
by the book, by their success, but they don't actually read in depth enough in their story to about the story. What they did. But the thing is, you see, the media is constantly emphasizing the success, the superficial elements of mm. a person. Yeah. When we talk about uh, Snapchat, even Spiegel, right? His name. Okay. Everyone is all talking about how he is so young and he's a billionaire already. But let me ask out of 10 people who can actually safely say that they know the hardships that he went through to even make Snapchat what it is. He probably faced a lot of criticisms, a lot of um, trials and tribulations to get Snapchat to where it is today. But the thing is, nobody knows. We only know that he has a hot girlfriend, a Victoria's Secret girlfriend, rich as fuck, and good-looking. But apart from that, what do we really know about even Spiegel? Yeah, because that's, that's, what, the, that's what the media wants us exactly. to think. Exactly. Okay. And there's also Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. So many people know about his success and everything and about Facebook's success, but they they don't actually know his story. In fact, I have to confess that I don't even know much about Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. but I've never talked shit about him because I know how much how much it takes for uh, such a young person to be able to be so disciplined much more than their fr- his friends yeah. at that age. And even to take the leap of faith to drop out of college from Harvard, right? Yeah. Was it Harvard? No, actually, I don't think it's Harvard. I'm not, I'm not very sure. You see, we don't even know. No, because I watched the... So I mean, my understanding okay. only comes from the movie, the social network. So oh, you watched the movie? Yeah, so okay. that's where I base off my understanding of Mark Zuckerberg. It's just based on that movie. Yeah. Yeah, but you see, even then, there's so much... We, there's only so much we know about him. Yeah. And there's so many people that... There's some people who are hating on Mark Zuckerberg, who are hating on Evan Spiegel, mm. and so many other young founders of successful startups and success, successful huge businesses. <coughs> Either that, or they're just worshiping them for the sake of worshiping them, and they don't even know that they've been through so much hardships. A lot of people idolize people without knowing what they went through. <laughs> Right. Because it's easy to just yeah. look at the surface. Okay. Yeah. Carry on with anyway, we digress. <laughs> so moving on. The kind of practice that demands our total presence and more serious attitude. This <coughs> is also quite related to the previous one. The amount of the, the practice that we actually need to put in if we want to succeed in anything in our lives is going to be not glamorous it's going to be tough it's going to be depressing it's going to be painful it's going to push people away as well because whenever you work on something that people don't believe in mm. people around you might stop believing they might think that you are change. you're a changed person and everything friends are going to leave you Maybe even your spouse or your significant other might also leave you for ho- for all you know, right? But if you really want to put in the practice, you have to put in the practice that demands our total presence and most serious attitude. 
in short, be present, put your full put your fullest effort into whatever you're doing, into the practice. If you want it to amount to anything close to success. Don't look for shortcuts. Well, I mean, you can look for shortcuts if it is a shortcut that is warranted. Mm. But if you're looking for a shortcut like breaking a law or yeah. exploiting people and everything, then... You will lead to shortcuts. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Okay, the last quote. If you choose to wait to bite your time before beginning to figure out what you are meant to do with your life, well, that's a form of practice too. So he's being a bit sarcastic and I think it's a very good way to end off the article also. It's not the last part of the article but it's it's one of the very important points that I like it because I like because he's saying if you constantly wait, sit around and wait, right? You eventually get good at it. You you're probably gonna wait and sit around your entire life waiting for something to happen. Which is in itself a flow a kind of practice and you get good at it, you're not gonna do anything in your life. <laughs> so that uh, yeah. I, I, I really like this a lot because he knows that he knows that if he he just keeps on going on about all the good advice and everything, some people will not might not some people will just read and they wouldn't feel engaged. So he he, he kind of he ends this point by saying this sarcastic makes you think. sentence. It makes you think. Because yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a some sort of a, like a break in between. Yeah, it makes you, forces you to reevaluate yourself. Yeah. It, are, are you a person who just sit around and wait and wait for things to happen and sulk when, whenever things don't go your way? I think so. What? I think so. I think so? What? You asked me, are you the person... No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent, sometimes... Yeah. So not, I can't be a hundred percent optimistic. There'll be certain off days where you feel discouraged. You know, we cannot we can't be driven all the time hundred percent. There'll be days where we feel like shit, we feel like giving up, feel lousy about ourselves. And the sooner you realize that it's only natural to feel so, I think the better off you'll be. And to know that okay, it's time to stop moping. I have my off day already. Now it's time to buck up and you know do something. Yeah, but I think he 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 just wants to engage those people who tell them. I mean, it it is it has a shareable element also because when people who read it can relate to it or can find friends who will relate to it, they will tell them that if you even if you keep if you constantly sit around and wait for things to happen you're actually practicing it too. And you eventually get so good at it at, that you don't even feel like doing anything at all. Uh, mm. You just want to be a sloth. Lie around, noir, and everything. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. Back to the part where you said waking up and finding a passion or something, right? Something along finding that Finding a calling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let's put it into the perspective of someone you say you need to experience a lot of things for you to figure out what you want to do yeah okay so let's take it back to secondary school you see 
we are not experienced with a lot of stuff. There's when you finish secondary school, you can choose a JC or a Poly. So the academic route is to go to a junior college, correct? Yep. So the sort of non-academic, in 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 a sense, not as academic. Yeah. Okay, is the polytechnic route, or, or even IT. Yeah. Okay, so how do you? Figure out then, because there's business, there is engineering, there is social sciences, mass com. I mean, those are really really different from A maths, E maths, or English or anything that we study. So how do they find out? You see, I think I think Singapore's education system is very practical, so. You you you've probably also heard of friends who can make it to top JCs, but they decide to go into poly, the the go go the poly route instead yeah. of the JC route. And you'll be thinking, are they crazy? Why don't they just go to the top JCs and just quickly graduate, serve army if if they are if they are a boy or just go on straight to university and everything. Then you then you ask th- when you if you actually talk to any of these people, they are usually more. I would say they are clearer of the kind of goals that they have in their lives. Because if you go the JC road, you're eventually you are essentially exposing yourself to a harder version of secondary school, which is the college of Western countries and other Asian countries. So when you when you go to JC, you're just going through an accelerated route to get ready yourself for university, right? Yeah. So after <coughs> JC, how do you even know what kind of field you want? That's why most JC students end up in engineering or business courses because those are those are the kind of things that those are the kind of stories who they are. Those are the kind of stories that that their seniors tell them the or the teachers stories, tell them. right? Yeah. And naturally, when you whenever, if you are Singaporean, when when you watch Singaporean dramas, or even if you watch any kind of dramas out in other countries, they often portray success or a successful job, a good job as lawyers, doctors, businessmen, bankers, all the so-called more prestigious routes in Singapore or other countries because the amount of academic excellence you have you need to have before you're allowed to enter those enroll into those courses are usually of a very high standard. So JC students when they enter JC if they did very well for their O levels, but they did very well for the secondary in their secondary school they will naturally think, oh, I want either to be a lawyer, a doctor, maybe a banker or something like that. So they always study as hard as they can, go to university, take an economics major, a finance major, a law major or medicine. Mm. And they just go on with the, the, the usual route. Yeah. Right? But back to the people who, the students who can actually go to top JCs, but they decide to go to poly instead. So if you ever talk to any one of them, I think I managed to talk to one or two of them. 
Okay, so they say that I'm very I'm very sure that I want to be in this line, this of industry or this field. Mm. So maybe let's say business or finance. So they want to be a banker or a businessman or whichever. Yeah, but see, how do they know if they haven't actually experienced or do anything that's really at least they think they do maybe. Either that or maybe they've read. I think maybe maybe they are well read. Or their parents. Maybe their parents also. Because you think about it, how did Mark Zuckerberg or even Spiegel or even Bill Gates achieve that much success? Because even even though Bill Gates is very old right now, if you ever re- read anything about his story, when he was seventeen or eighteen, he dropped out of school as well to start Microsoft with his business partner. I forgot what's his business partner name. I think it was. No, I'm not sure, but his business partner is actually a lot smarter than him and a lot older than him. But he is a he's the big idea guy. So he's he because he spent so much time coding, programming when he was a lot younger, it's just his his curiosity that managed to get him to such a level even at such a young age. So even at seventeen or eighteen, even though his friends are probably thinking of Partying, thinking of playing games, playing, playing, thinking of playing soccer or hanging out with friends. He's programming away in school. Okay. So I would say that maybe those those students who have a clear idea of where they want to go, they have they just exposed to certain kind of things at a very young age for a very very long period of time. If you remember the word the the book Peak by Anders Ericsson. A lot of musicians started young. Started very very young, and they realized that they they get they get so good at it, that they eventually develop passion, and they are very sure that they want to be a musician for life. Hmm. So I would say, because many of us do do not have like those kind of opportunities and those kind of experiences, because our parents are just, they just don't know what is good for us as well. Yeah, and if you know who is Cal Newport is. Mm. He actually wrote the book, Be So Good That They Can't Ignore You. So basically what he's saying is that he believes that the passion thing, following your passion is bullshit. He said that you can only find your passion only if you're good at it. And then when you're good at it, then you start to enjoy it. And then it becomes a habit to actually do the things that you like without thinking that it's work or hard work. And then that becomes your passion. So you don't embark on something saying that that's my passion without knowing whether you're good at it. You need to try it before you know that you're good and then you can call it your passion. Which means that, uh, I don't know, I, I find it amazing when somebody can say, okay, like if your whole family, none of them studies medicine and then you're the only child or you have brothers and sisters, you're the only person in that family who wants to study medicine. Then I'll be very curious as to, you know, what made you wake up one day and say, I want to be a doctor. I mean, maybe you'll enjoy saving lives. I do not know, but that could be one. But that's a mystery for me. Yeah, and you probably also heard a lot of stories about those those people who, they they say that, when they were younger, they wanted to be a doctor. So they studied medicine. Mm. And after studying medicine, they realized that, oh, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Yeah. And they just pivoted 
to another to another job to another profession. So those are the people who I would consider at least they would they dare to try and they dare to pivot because it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to start spend five or six years or even ten years in medicine and suddenly go into another profession like let's say marketing or speaking or business or something like that. Yeah. Something that's very different from it's medicine. It's like one of my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach, he has spent a good part of his year getting a law degree and only to find out like at the age of and 28 or something, he decided to step away, sort of step away from law, but he still does freelance work here and there. But to step away from that and to actually pursue what he enjoys which is to coach kids and to coach B- BJJ yeah so I find that very encouraging and something that everyone should learn because when you're at the peak when you're at the top of your game being able to identify and to know when to step out of the game requires a really good amount of discipline and courage. Humility as well. Yes, humility as well. Mm. It's really casting aside your ego because you are unafraid of what others might think because people will tell you, are you crazy? You spent eight to ten years getting a law degree and you know that doing law will earn you more money than teaching kids (laughs) or teaching VJJ as a profession. Because would tell you that you're out of your mind, man. And he he was also quite a good lawyer, right? I do not know about that, uh, but I presume he is quite a good lawyer because he got it, he got into the bar at a relatively young age. So, I so he practiced law and everything. Yeah. And realized I that it's not something for him. I think so. I haven't really asked a whole lot, but the general idea is that and being able to step away, like what you said, requires a great deal of courage. Mm. It'd be good if you can invite him to the show. Of course, I would when we actually have a few guests on board. Yeah. And then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, okay, back to another point where you said that the dreams will always be dreams or something like that along that line uh. and then it will only be a passion until you work on it Some something along that lines one of the points you have to work you don't find your calling yeah just off the bat just one day by waking up but you need but it, it is the combination of life experiences skills and passion all, yeah. put, work, all put to work together and with that in mind I'd like to relate it back to you because okay. You didn't know that you enjoy writing at a young age, right? Like, in fact, I hated writing. Exactly. Yeah. You you sucked at English, right? Yeah. You said you had speech problems. In fact, mm. English was probably your worst subject at one point of time. It was without AMATs, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's <laughs> let's just agree that you, you sucked at English last okay. time. But look at you now. You are relatively... Uh, to me, you are good in writing and I like your skill that you are able to break things down into stuff that's easier to under- easy to understand. So, But the key thing is, 
you didn't wake up one day and realize that I want to be a writer, right? Yeah. You only found out that you like to write is when you put in the effort to improve your English, write every day, and then one day you realize that, hey, I'm quite decent at it, and I think I like it, and I want to work on that to become a writer and stuff. So you didn't actually find your calling just by sitting around and waking up one day. You actually went out to do it and then realized that I have a knack for this and it became what I want to do. Yeah, because I would say no one, no no writer in this world, at least the, 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 the better known ones, actually wake up one day and say that they want to be a writer and they just suddenly become a writer. They had to put a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hours, Thankless days, hours. Yeah, <laughs> thankless hours of holding their craft of writing because writing is one of, writing is probably even harder than drawing <laughs> because, because, okay, drawing, you, you, you kind of, people usually draw based on something that is already in the world. But writing is basically coming out with words out of nowhere. And by one look, you can't even tell if the writing is good or not. You have to really read the whole thing, understand the context, see whether it's coherent and everything, clear, concise, whatever, before you can really tell it's a good writing or not. But a good drawing can easily be seen just by one look at it, just like a good photo, yeah. right? It, it takes a lot, a lot of work. And I've put in... I would say considerable amount of work, but there's still a long way for me to go. So hmm. until then, if it if it does work out, it'd be great. If it doesn't work out, I'll find I'll find another way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing a lot of us do not know is because we tend to give up at the slightest bit of problem. Yep. And then we realize that um, we just give up too easily, especially people our age. I think, I honestly think it's large part because of social media and the internet. That's, that's my opinion because social media and the internet is such a huge distraction and it's such an easily available distraction as opposed to anything else because if let's say let's say your distraction is playing soccer you still need to find friends or you need to find a ball you need to find a place for you to kick the soccer ball mm-hmm. for you to actually be distracted but right now with smartphones with computers easily available you can just, just go to the internet watch Netflix watch YouTube why do you keep through saying Netflix when you don't even subscribe I don't know. <laughs> Netflix is it's like it's a cultural phenomenon if you ask me. So Yeah, it's like you have ignored T V altogether. Netflix has become T V already. Netflix has become T V pretty much. Yeah. And okay, in fact last time, if you go back just a few more years, without Net when Netflix wasn't wasn't in the picture yet. It was only about two years ago, I think, that Netflix became so popular. Yeah. Maybe let's go back seven years during twenty ten. Okay. When television was still very popular, mm. cable vision, okay. Yes. When recording shows was still not very easily available, when you want distraction, and you turn on the television, 
a particular show that you like still has to be on on air for you to be truly distracted. Yeah, you can't choose what's being played. Yes, but right now you can on demand. When there's so much, when when everyone has so much control, as long as you have internet connection and a cell phone or smartphone, you can be distracted the whole day. day. You can watch anything you want and anytime you want. And I think that's 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 one of the reasons why people nowadays, especially our age, or anyone who is savvy enough, we are too impatient. Yes, we're too impatient because. We have instantaneous results. Each time we go on to Google, even the our broadband speed is so much faster than the past. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's my opinion, of course. I mean, there's, of course, there are other ways to look at it, why people, our generation, or people nowadays are more susceptible to giving up and just... Instant gratification. And... Just... Everything, everything is just so short term. You know, it's all about the short term pleasures and everything, and no longer about committing long term. Because, yeah. Yeah, but there's this general idea that you know, we need to find out what is really working out for us, not by sticking to one thing. In order for us to find what we really enjoy, we really need to fail and try different stuff. So there's this contradiction. Well, to a certain extent, you yes. can't stay too long, or you can't stay too short as well. Yeah, the sweet spot, the Goldilocks. Yeah. So when is it the right time to give up? Or when is it the right time to, to endure and pursue this? I do not know how to give you an answer, but you probably have to go with your gut feeling. Actually, <laughs> I recently read. Okay, not recently. Probably a few weeks back, but. Because it was quite compelling, it was it was actually very compelling. That I remembered it, so you know James Altucher. Yes. This forty-nine-year-old guy, curly hair, curly hair who looks like he's in his thirties, and honestly, he's quite a remarkable person. And on, I believe it's on Thought Catalog or is it some other website? He actually has a category all to himself. So there's actually a category called James Altucher. <laughs> That's how much content he put out every single day. So anyway, he 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 wrote this article called Five Times Five. So the the idea is basically, if you don't know what to do in life, if you don't know how to find your passion, if you don't know how how to spend your time, because you only have twenty four hours in the day, how are you gonna spend your twenty four hours sleeping and doing stuff that really mean something to you? Yeah. You can start by writing a list of. 5 times 5 25 things in your life that you that mean a lot to you that comes to your mind that you that you really like enjoy doing okay so it can be sleeping it can be I don't know going out to walk it can be playing with dogs there can be 25 things okay so rank them according to how you like them so the one that you like the most the one that you like the most right at the top one Two, three, four, five, all the way to twenty-five. The next thing you do is to take the f- last twenty and remove those last twenty and focus only on the top five things that you list down. Because he thinks that five things is kind of the Goldilocks spot, the sweet spot for a person to spend their time on and be actually decently good at it. So, as a as kind of a blueprint for himself. 
at any point, in, at any given point in time, he will focus his time on five things that he wrote, the five most important things in his life. So it can be writing, it can be podcasting, it can be learning how to play chess, because he's quite obsessed in chess also. It can be learning languages, it can be anything else. But I know that the tr- top three things for him is writing, podcasting, and chess. That's from the amount of content I've read so far about him. I think you got that from the podcast episode with Ryan Holiday. Because I remember something about that. Maybe he did mention it yeah. in the podcast, but I actually read oh. an article before the podcast. Okay. So, which is why it, it, stuck, with it stuck to me. because You heard it twice. I mean, sort of. Probably, I guess, that's why. Because honestly, I didn't remember him saying it in the podcast. But I very Towards the end. Towards the to end. The, to the okay. Yeah, that's why I remember. Because it sounds familiar. So, yeah. So, just focus on top five things. And whenever anything that falls off your list, uh, top five, you just move something else from the, from the sixth position or seventh position up. And that's kind of like a life hack. Like how you're going to spend your, your time... So maybe for me, it can be writing, it can be learning career, and it can be spending time with my girlfriend, spending time with my family, and maybe building a portfolio for my writing career. And I'm just going to focus on these five things at any point of time. In any, if there's any chance of me doing something else outside of these five, and I'm spending a lot more time than any of these things, right, then I have to re- re-evaluate my whole timetable and my goal in life, which is why... I removed a lot of things in my life recently. Gaming, K-pop. Because K-pop is a distraction for Korean. And gaming is a distraction for... Everything. Everything. <laughs> I mean, of course, some people pursue gaming as a profession, but other than that, yeah. So how about you? What's your top five things? Can you think of... Or at least your top three things? Oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Number one would be actually to find a job that I really find meaning in a purposeful job that's one it's half the time I find jobs now meaningful work meaningful work yeah mm. I okay. think because we are all driven by this need to have a purpose when you do have when you lack purpose you feel like your life is going to shit most of the time and secondly, of course, it's probably jujitsu, reading, writing, podcasting, even. Mm. That's the that's the whole point of why we even start this. And yep. of course, read. Uh, what else? Spending time with friends, being there for them when they need you, your family. Yeah. I guess spending time with people who better yeah. kind of falls under one. <laughs> okay. And I use it too. So, yeah. So Writing. So how many do I have? You have... BJJ, finding... I would, okay, maybe not finding a job, per se, but rather to find and develop my brand. That's what I'm working now. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to show people who I am. It's like at the back of my mind, day in, day out, I'm thinking of, okay, I know I enjoy doing this, 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 but how can I show that my interest 
can actually provide value to people. Yeah, something like that. Okay. And uh, third, third was what? Did I say BJJ already? Yeah. Okay, reading, writing. That's two separate, right? Reading and writing, I guess, you need to read to write, and you need to write to read. That's true. It's only when I read something that I suddenly had this burst of inspiration to write something. And only when you f- feel like writing something, will you go and read what other people have, what other people have write about, yeah. written can, about. Can so I say shitting? <laughs> no, because I feel that shitting is the best time for me. Because Creative I think a process. lot when okay. I shit. And the best time, all the best ideas actually come from shitting. And I actually thought of that when I was shitting. Okay. I was thinking, whoa, why is it that all the best, or not best, but the cool ideas always come from when I'm shitting or, or bathing. Yeah. Then you should probably consider writing an article about it. Then maybe, maybe you can articulate the idea better. You can help people who have the same passion as you. <laughs> sitting on the toilet bowl, clearing about. I don't feel that it's a passion, but I don't. I think that that's the best time to think because you are stuck with the toilet, stuck to the toilet seat, and you are sort of comfortable unless you're having a tummy ache, and then it's it has all the right conditions for you to think. I think. Not saying that we should do the podcast while shitting, but well, <laughs> I m- maybe it's because you know you know there's this statue, the thinking man, yeah. we're sitting on this rock, uh huh. But it kind of, it 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 kind of resembles how shitting. we are when we are sitting on a toilet bowl. No. Yes, because I don't put my head on my chin when I shit. When you think, maybe. Okay. To a certain extent, because it's a thinking man, so I don't know. Okay, it's just a thought, just a random thought. Yeah. Probably that's about it, yeah. So far, I feel that everything has been going on track, except to finding the job part, because I'm still very torn between whether or not should I continue, despite knowing that I really don't enjoy what I'm doing. Okay. Just for the sake of money. And security la, is that sense of security. Mm, I would say find meaningful work. Yeah. Definitely. Because I'll be doing a disservice to the employer as well. Yeah. Because I won't be able to give you a full yeah, fullest know, effort. So such a draggy thing waking up every day. People might see it as an excuse for quitting, I mean. Well, technically, it is. Right? Technically, it is to a certain extent, but I would say that it's more of if you quit just for the sake of quitting, then yes, to a huge extent. But if you're quitting because you know that you want, to, because you you know that this is not something you want to do, and you want to do something a lot better, and you kind of have a vague yet a little bit of clear idea of what you want to do which leads to your article you know that when it's fake yeah so yeah. it's fine because you're, you're figuring out you're figuring out now so it's fine yeah. it, do- it doesn't matter when you figure it out it doesn't, ma- doesn't matter when you start figuring out as long as you start yeah. and you figure it out eventually th- then that's fine yeah 
James Atucha didn't fi- figure out his life until he was in his 40s, by the mm-hmm. way. So it's only in recent years, in the recent eight or nine years, that he actually got his life together. Before that, he lost a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. He lost family, he lost relationships, he lost his job, he lost his passion, yeah. he lost everything. The, the thing is, I like to predicate a lot of my actions and thoughts based on if I can't work it out, if I can't find out, then I should do something to go and try and, and work towards it. Definitely you should. Instead of, you know, staying in that comfort zone, knowing that whatever you do isn't going to change anything. Mm. So that's why I want to try something else. And the best time to fail is now. Not when I have a family and then I have more obligations. Now's the time to really go and try. See what you're made of. And I think I was afraid of the judgment, I guess. Don't worry, you have a hu- you have a hundred percent support. <laughs> it's because people will say things like the general rule of thumb is to get a job first before you quit. The general rule, yeah, and then times are bad and all that stuff. But well, times are really bad, bad right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but if this is the risk that I have to bear to find out, then I'm willing to take it. Okay. Just as long as you are not begging on the streets, not to say that you're begging. If you're begging on the streets, it's bad. But I'm saying that from being decently comfortable to begging on the streets, just because you want to so-called get a job, better job that you like, it's not exactly a very practical way. Mm. I guess no one. I guess this is indisputable. So. As long as you don't do, as long as you don't end up on the streets begging, I think it's fine. If you have some sort of savings to help you weather through maybe one or two months or even three months of job search. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing is, I have enough. It's just that mm-hmm. I know that I won't end up on the streets because there are a lot of other projects where. People will need my help with. My bro- okay. People, my friends who have businesses who would need help. It may not be a glorious thing. It could be in FMB. It could be any anything. Something where you can just work for the time being for some yeah. so, for some income. Mm, and it could also be the time where I can really work on this personal branding thing that I feel that is important. I probably see now it's like nobody sees the importance of it yet because I also can't really tell you why it's so important but I do know that in 5 to 10 years time I think everybody needs a website but as to why I cannot communicate the idea yet because I probably need to have my own one before I can to do it right actually right now I would say everyone needs a website right now because social media alone right now is not enough to tell people who you are or your potential employers or potential clients who you really are if you have a if you have a website you're able to better articulate your entire personality Mm -hmm. and because social media as much as it's open and it's flexible here and there but there are certain 
kinds of restrictions that you that they have on you. So for example, Facebook. Your Facebook profile cannot look like some fancy website. Yeah. It's not possible. You cannot put long ass articles on your web your your Facebook profile. People are going to unfollow you. People are going to think you're think you're some sort of preacher or something. Yeah, more in- makes you more impressive when you Yeah, website kind of it, it allows you to showcase certain things that you can't elsewhere. Yeah. And you have full control of your website. If Facebook suddenly one day says say that they, they, they are going to charge you for your Facebook profile, how? Are you gonna <laughs> pay? Are you gonna pay it <laughs> for something that is That's true. I would definitely pay for my website and I've actually paid. <laughs> yeah. So and while it is some sort of an investment and it's not very, very cheap. It is cheap if you have some sort of income. Probably about ten to twelve sing dollars per month. But the returns that you get from learning just learning through building so your much own more than that, right? Yeah, it's a lot more than that. It's something you cannot really learn in You can't put a number on that yeah. learning thing as well. Yeah. Because I believe there are a lot of people who can teach you how to build websites, build a personal brand and everything, but y- only you know how to build your own personal brand the way that you want it to be. Yeah. People can only show you certain ways, certain examples, steps, examples. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that, okay, to go back to the article, so something that I wanted to mention was also, I wanted to do a podcast because I looked at examples. People who did it and are successful with it, so I envision myself um, being a doing a podcast. But it was only until that I went to try it, and then I realized that it was hard. But somehow or rather, we are able to pull through to where we are now, able to speak more articulately or more effectively. Mm. And then you realize that, hey, actually you really enjoy this and it could become more or less your so-called passion as well. And so I guess it's, it's, it is a good platform to start building our own personal brand. Yeah. And perhaps, I don't know, who knows Who knows when it will suddenly take off and yeah, things will just be different. I mean, we do not offer like a product or a cheat code kind of thing where other people has podca- have podcasts about maybe SEO yeah. or, you know, growing your audience. What we are doing is actually just having casual conversations or anecdotal conversations uh-huh. in hopes of, you know, you being inspired or something. Rather, I would say... Through sharing experiences, people will know that oh, we are also facing certain kind of struggles that they face. Other people are also facing struggles that you face. Mm. So by learning from our stories or learning from other people's stories or just learning for yourself, maybe through relating from articles or whatever you speak about, maybe you can inspire yourself or you can inspire you mm. and hopefully help you to become a better person. Yeah. So it's just more like sh- through the sharing of stories, through the sharing of experiences, that's how people learn. Because 
I mean, that's pretty much how anyone learn. It's through other people's experiences. Yeah, yeah, right. And hopefully, you're not like talking rubbish, <laughs> from all, talking out from my ass. That will actually make some sense. So, do us a favor. If you are listening to this, give us any form of feedback. I don't know what we'll say at the end of the episode, but we would appreciate any form of feedback because we can know whether we are on the right track or not. Yeah, any suggestions would be great. Yeah. Any sort of criticisms, as long as you're not F U exclamation mark <laughs> exclamation mark one one exclamation mark, then it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we can wrap up. Yeah. This week's episode. It's quite a long episode today. Yeah, but but next week next week we're gonna expect a guest, right? Yeah, he has agreed but Hopefully hopefully he'll be hopefully everything goes well. Our first guest. He's actually uh, purple belt in my gym. One of the nicest guys there. Probably it'll be your first time meeting him as well. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Okay, see ya. See you. That's it. Thank you for staying until the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this, share this with your friends and tag us on Instagram or Facebook to connect with us. We'd appreciate any sort of feedback. Be sure to check out the show notes at theanecdotes.net. T-H-E-A-N-E-C-D-O-T-E-S.net. Thank you once again.